HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch beef is 100% grass-fed, free-range, and always antibiotic-free. Our beef will be available in Whole Foods Market's 44 California locations from San Luis Obispo to San Diego throughout the summer beginning June 1st. You can also order our 100% grass-fed beef online as part of a partnership with Larder Meat Company. Visit HearstRanch.com. That's H-E-A-R-S-T Ranch. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. And I am the other half of your host, Greg Bresnitz. And we are coming to you from opposite sides of the country to celebrate 450 episodes. Congratulations, Greg, and to everyone at Snacky Tunes, Jeet, Kong, every engineer, everyone who believed in us, and to all the guests who've taken time to sit down uh, to share their stories, we really, it's wild. Think of an eye, 11 years, just, you know, went by like nothing. I feel like we were just sitting down with Drop the Lime for episode one on a hot July afternoon, and uh, here we are, many, many hours and many, many interviews later. It's, uh, congratulations to you as well. You deserve at least yeah. half of it. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. I saw our good friends at Bell's, who are uh, some of our two favorite people, Greg and Daisy, and they had reposted someone who had just discovered Snacky Tunes because they had been on the show, and they posted um, a, a link to the very first episode, and my thought was, you have a lot, a lot of shows to get through, and hopefully you enjoy at least a third of them. Yes, and if you enjoy... These two almost similar voices, uh, just remember, if it sounds smart and interesting, it's my episode, and if it's a little bit flat, mm-hmm. it's Darren's episode. Yeah. And in addition to celebrating our 450th episode, we are also so excited to finally be able to publicly talk and announce our first book coming out on Fade In this week. It's called Snacky Tunes, Music is the Main Ingredient, Chefs and Their Music, and it really is in many ways, the best parts of this show in book form, it's uh, 80 of our favorite chefs and restaurateurs from all over the world sharing their favorite stories about music and cooking, creativity, there's recipes, there's playlists, and uh, we're so excited to be able to just give them space to, to talk about the things that we love and, and they share why they love it just as much. Yeah, and I think that uh, 
Uh, if you really like uh, in the episodes past where chefs talk about how music fuels their creativity, inspires them, pushes them, you're really going to love this book. Um, we have just stories from chefs who talk about how they're multi-generational musicians, their grandfather was an oboe player or a band director, um, how they use different types of music, uh, either when they're cooking at home, they're doing rock and roll, when they're making their recipes, they're using jazz, how they use it to like, build their restaurants, how they use it to add another audio signature to their restaurants. Uh, and if you just are like us and you're fans of people who are fans of music just telling great music stories, you're going to love this too. Yeah, so thank you to everyone at Faden. If you go to Faden.com, uh, you can get it there. It's coming out September 3rd worldwide and then October 14th, North America. We'll have more announcements, releasing the whole list of chefs, some events coming up. And so, yeah, so it's great. And now on to the episode. We are really, really excited. We're joined by Rose Traore of Rose LLC, based out of New York, incredible chef, fine dining background, now doing his own thing, uh, ex-model, current model, very handsome, uh, and very skilled in the kitchen and doing a lot of work in community. We talk about his creative process and how he's created really his own type of food, his own take on it, and we talk about just uh, what it means to be doing pop-up and events in the time of corona. And then in the second half, we can't believe it's taken so long, but we sit down with one of our oldest friends, Sean McGinnis, a.k.a. Sean on the Drums, a.k.a. the drummer of Piss Jeans. We talk about his long, lifelong career in music, a little bit of our friendship, his own creative process, and he shares with us some live tracks that he's been working on. So here we go, episode 450. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pole.
Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule, sitting down with us. We really appreciate you being on Snacky Tunes. Of course. Thank you for having me. Definitely looking forward to it and, yeah, getting the conversations going. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that I loved uh, about the bio and a little bit of the background that I read on you um, is that you have always used food to connect with people which is what we have always felt that food is about is a great connector um, and that it's also a great way to share culture. So, you know, while we can talk about other food, I'd love to talk about your food and the different culture and perspective that you share through the food that you've made all over the world. Yeah. My food is, um, <clears throat> you know, everything that I do, I, I feel like it, it, involves a lot of style a lot of culture a lot of um you know it there's always a message behind it and it's pretty much how i've it's something that i've developed you know the past three three years or even four years where you know i really grew this passion for just traveling the world and um seeing other people's faces when they um are enjoying an amazing meal and you know, for them to have their own culture, but not really know much about the, you know, other culture across the pond. Um, and so I just always thought, why can I, it would be so much better. It would be, you know, cooler for me to try to merge those two worlds together and put that on a plate. And to Mm -hmm. me, that's the simplest way that I could, um, you know, describe my, my cuisine. We're fortunate in this time and age, in this day and age where, um, you don't really have to specifically say you're going to pigeonhole yourself in French cuisine, Italian cuisine, you know, back in the day, the reason why that was, you know, um, a requirement was because people didn't really have the, um, they weren't privileged enough to, you know, explore 
as much as we have or the opportunity to explore much or travel much to um, really get a sense of everyone else that is a part of this world. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's great because in some of the videos that you did of you traveling and cooking with people, um, it's a great way to really exemplify what you stand for, your own personal story, and then see someone else's story and what they stand for and combine those two different perspectives, those two life experiences on a plate and then share that with a guest. Yes, exactly. So um, going a little bit back, a little bit deeper into your life and childhood, uh, there's a story that you talk about, about recovering from heart surgery, I believe, and the kitchen being a place of healing and safety after you got out of surgery. Um, why do you think food has this ability or the kitchen has this ability, uh, especially a home kitchen, to be safe, to offer healing? And, and how have you used that throughout your life? Yeah, I think, you know, after the surgery, I was, you know, this is my prime time where, you know, most kids are getting into sports and being active right. and, right. um, you know, unfortunately for me, that was kind of like a block in my life because um, that's, you know, where the doctor noticed I had to have another open, my second open heart surgery, which, you know, it holds you back from doing any any physical um, activities. So um, that held, that had me into the recovery mode. And the closest thing, I think the reason why food became such a connection was because it was a I was able to relate to it in a more sensitive um, manner even though it was it I was young it was very comforting it was very um, um, approachable to my senses and in a in a sense it was kind of like my pillow to um, kind of just study that whole world and even though I didn't know half of the things that I know now or more than half of the things that I know now, in a sense, you know, knowing coming home to my mom making, you know, um, chicken adobo or Mm. my dad making um, some, you know, stew or fish. These are things that you're like so pumped about and you kind of like, you know, you forget about everything else. And it's just like, I am craving this. I'm so happy about (laughs) you know, sitting at the table with the family. Plus at the end of the night, you have your dessert, you get, you know, some ice cream with some toppings, like, you know, that is food within itself. And so whether you're having a quick snack with, you know, I don't even, I haven't had this snack in a while, but bologna and, you know, some rice with, Mm -hmm. you know, or it's spam and rice or it's, um, you know, plantains, all of these things really enhances your, um, you know, that hunger and desire as far as, you know, I'm very curious about what is going on in this world, the culinary world. Yeah, I mean, I love the idea of helping people through food and using it uh, as comfort. Um, how have you help people with the food that you make. Do you have any stories to share of where you cook for someone or you put thought into a dish because you knew it was going to help a colleague or family or a friend? Uh, yeah. I think the biggest thing 
thing that I've done this year is um, one one of the things that I've done is pretty much my friend has this nonprofit organization. His mm-hmm. name is um, Matt Matt James, and it's the organization is called ABC Food Tours. And what they pretty much do is provide a whole like you know active like you know like field trip for kids that are in um that are in a position to for example get great um meals or know about the you know or the organic world or um get them into more activities and um they're just a bit less fortunate And so what I was able to do is take all of these techniques that I've learned for the past 10 years and create um, a dish for these for these kids. And, um, you know, they did some yoga. Then the next person they had to visit was me. And then you find out kids are very honest. Obviously, one is saying I hate (laughs) vegetables. One is saying I um, hate mushrooms and um and so what I made was pretty much a classic, was a ch- classic chicken roulade wrapped it in, you know, some bacon. I stuffed it with some hashed mushrooms and herbs. And I, you know, seared that. I cooked that. And then on the side, I had some, you know, butter glazed carrots, Brussels. Mm. Um, and I was just like, you know, this is this is what I got for you. And, you know, I'm on the chopping block, if you would say. <laughs> and they... Um, they loved it. And so one of the guys saying, I, I asked one of the you know kids, like, I thought you didn't like mushrooms. And he's like, I don't. And then I was like, well, there's mushrooms in there. And he's like, wow, really? And then the, the um, girl, she was also saying like, you know, I didn't, it's great to know what, how, you know, vegetables can really taste like, or, mm. you know, um, the biggest thing that's unfortunate is, yeah, in in some of the in some of the areas in this, you know, country, you could say the world, um, the places that need the most amount of attention, they actually don't because they get you know the crappier supermarket with yeah. the you know stuffed antibiotic chicken and veggies, and it's just a whole mess. But all you're trying to do is feed your family. So unfortunately, you have to, um, you know, do do what it takes to just make it to that next day. And I say this because um, at a point in my life, I was also stuck in that predicament, that same predicament, not knowing anything about food. And um, but I needed to feed myself for that night and, you know, bite my tongue. Um, So that, yeah. I mean, you you wound up studying at Le Cordon Bleu, which is about as classical, well, I guess, if you're looking at it from like a European-centric sort of view yeah. of cooking uh, type of, of, of school. And, um, you know, even today is, is seen as, as, a, as the, one of the upper echelons of, of again, a, a European-centric type of food. Um, but you drew you in and you embraced it, but you also um, understood that you were bringing a different perspective than some of the other chefs there. 
Um, and you've created a whole different type of approach and mentality to it, which you've seen through your, your food and things like that. Um, yeah. But you talk about taking all of your different experiences um, and applying it to fine dining cuisine. Yes. So, you know, if you're into fine dining cuisine, which it seems like you, you are, um, there's a certain love for it because you really got to love it. So what yeah. do you love about it? And what do you love about all the different cities that you've been able to cook in and experience and, and take these fundamentals, yeah. but make it your own? Yeah. I think it's important to have a base, have a mm. starting point, which was the Cordon Bleu. Then you know, you pretty much get handed this whole script as far as these are the, t- this is the timeline right. that you must meet. You go right. to a school, you go to the Michelin restaurant, you work at a, you know, top restaurant under a chef and then you, keep doing that for years, move up the ladder. And, you know, for me, I did, I did those things, but it didn't, it was one of those things where I realized very early on that, you know, I do not want a restaurant. This, I was, mm-hmm. I've been saying this for the past four years. Um, You know, maybe you could say even f- five, but it was like, I don't want a restaurant. I knew that from the get go. Um, at this at this point in my life, I approach the my food my lifestyle as a chef kind of like a musician. Like I want to continue to, if I'm making a dish, I want to continue to tour the world and spread my love, spread that passion, spread that um, cuisine to as many people as I can, and come back to my base, which some would say, you know, when I got done doing that. I wanted to, you know, push myself, get some knowledge at, let's say 11 Madison park. I went and did that for a yeah. year. And then I was also able to draw myself back out and get back to the, get back on the road. Um, with that being said, I think Michelin food is to answer your question is something, what I love about it is that search and that, um, discipline as far as perfection that, um, camaraderie as far as um, bringing, getting together and having one mission, which is just putting the food out at the highest level as you, as you, you know, high standards that you can get it at and beyond. And so with that being said, I like to take a little bit of that. And also my goal is to make that approachable to the, you know, home cook, if you would say. Yeah, but, and beyond that, showing (laughs) what food can be, I mean, to tie it back to what you're saying about the food you're cooking for the ABC program, you're using techniques and terms and approaches that you learned at Le Cordon Bleu, but then serving it up in an approachable way that, really highlights what ingredients can be. I mean, look, I grew up eating raw white button mushrooms until I was like 18 and thought that mushrooms are the worst thing in the world. And then mm-hmm. you get out into the world and you get, um, you know, head of the wood, head of the wood, you get a porcini <laughs> that's been just cooked in brown butter and you go like, exactly. Oh no, 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 no. Mushrooms yeah. are the best, but that's some, you know, duck fat, something. Yeah. yeah. But there is that, um, amazing, I don't know who you're proving it to more than just yourself that you're like, I went to the top of the mountain. I went to the school. I went to 11 Madison park. 
And I took all this knowledge and I said, thank you for the knowledge. I'm going to go do my own thing. Yes. Um, I think one, it starts with the, um, the level that I see myself at and the uh, route that I see myself at within the future. A lot of chefs, you know, they, which is, you know, the classic, the, the just the class, like, you know, we're, it, we're humble characters. And so this is totally acceptable, but, um, you know, I, usually chefs are just like, I want to just cook the food, put my head down, crank it out, turn off the lights. What I was able to do and I was able to understand um, early on was also that um, in the fact that I was able to even reach a big, bigger audience through me being like a TV personality and um, really um, showing my style of cooking to the world. Um, and I've learned that through modeling, like, you know, with modeling, you do all of these castings, you know, how you got to know how to be on, you got to know how to turn it off. You got to know how to, you know, react to different, you know, people. And, um, in a sense, I see myself in that middle bridge where I am, you know, bringing those two worlds together, you know, um, there's nothing that is, uh, it's wild when you go when I go to like a fashion event that is supposed to be all exclusive and it's you know let's say it's your vanity fair party and then I'm like the only chef there um and you know to some people unless you know me that you would never expect that and that is something that I I also love because it's like you know I'm here representing my guys my people which is in the food world because that always came first. I love it. Well, look, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about um, your company um, and the events you've been doing, but then also um, how it's shifted in the last few months with uh, everything going on. We have a quick song from the archives here on Snacky Tunes on heritageradionetwork.org. Come around. 
Hello and welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We have Chef Rose Traori. How'd I do on that? You killed it. Okay. I tell you, I'm <laughs> always nervous about names. But you got you, it. We, we were talking a little bit about um, your company, uh, you know, getting all this knowledge and going off and knowing that um, you want to start your own thing, which, you know, I would say maybe pre-March, pre-pandemic, people may have been like starting your own thing. Don't you want to go work in a restaurant? But now I feel that since you've had a runway of doing your own events and a different way of thinking of the way of serving food and, and, and a restaurant as a business, you know, because the old business models out the window, you probably have a leg up, especially since you have a story and you're something that's unique. Yeah. So, you know, you've talked a little bit about why you want to start your own thing, but can you talk about, how you got it off the ground and how you've switched things up over the last few months. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the company's been around for three and a half years. And so it's one of those things that I was able to um, still manage with the team and also step foot in a restaurant as crazy as that might sound, but it's something that you build up and it takes a long time to where, Unfortunately, um, it's helping me. Like I don't have to start from ground zero um, mm. because it's, it still is in my path, regardless of you know the pandemic. Um, obviously, business has slowed down, but in other areas, it's it picked up. Um, and so, I started off pretty much with my friend's catering, you know, company, you know, six years ago and his company was back in call. And, um, we pretty much capitalized off of all of the, you know, does photo shoots in the city, whether that's Ralph Lauren, Ferragamo, Victoria's Secret, you name it. We just got to this point where, you know, he would, I would be the chef and he would pretty much be the front of the house. And, um, I just got to the point where it's like we could make better food. Um, thank you for you know trying to book me for this job, but I much rather you know cook the cook the food. So that was pretty much my taste within the whole catering sense. And um, it wasn't until I moved to London for two years that I was able to get some clients of my own. Let's say you know it's a uh, soccer you know professional athlete that i was actually cooking for rather than you know in a a name with an umbrella um Mm -hmm. and so that's where i was like i want to start doing more of these and traveling and um that's how i really molded rose traori llc because we were able to have that closer connection with the client create that experience with them which is you know a very bespoke experience it's classic it's it speaks everything that we believe as chefs and you are very um you're within every step um and so yeah that it's how i pretty much got started and i continue to just mold the company through that you know a lot of people not a lot of people but I know people who are either these chefs who jump from place to place three mm-hmm. months, four months, five months, and then say, I'm going to go do my own thing. 
or yeah. they've never gotten the fundamentals of food, which is fine. Um, but then they go into business and they don't really know how to put in structure or how to rely on technique. And look, it takes all kinds. And some people who don't have those traditional things wind up succeeding. But a lot of the times they run to a lot of, I don't know, hardships. But with yeah. your fine dining background and with your experience uh, of, of going um, to sort of the upper echelons of dining, um, what have you been able to apply from that world? And what have you taken to pop-ups and things like that um, that you haven't seen in other types of, of pop-ups? Um, I think it's one of those things where it's, um, one, it's the face, you know, I, I consider like I, chefs are very humble, but I truly believe that chefs are in a sense, you know, rock stars where, you know, constantly, we definitely know how to, you know, live, live, live the life. But as far as, um, the approach, I feel like, you know, it's something, one of the most unique things about it is one, as an African-American chef, I think there needs to be a different, um, portrait that is projected to the public. Meaning usually when you see African, an African-American chef, you, he's either, he or she is either cooking Southern food or African food. And, you know, I'm just, I've just been tired of seeing that same stereotypical role as if there isn't any, um, you know, fine dining, like, you know, African-American chefs within the fine dining world, um, excelling. And, um, it's one of those where, yes, the numbers are off when it comes to, you know, the chefs within the fine dining world, but this is what I'm representing, which is, you know, that, that's classic route, um, that I grew up on, you know, Southern food, African food, delicious. I'm Mm -hmm. all about it. But it simply isn't what I grew up on. I grew up on a bit of African food, which I still add to my, you know, cuisine. But um, what I want to continue to be, what I want to continue to represent is, and I take with pride, is the African, you know, American chef within chefs within the um, culinary space. Um, So I don't know if that. I know I'd go a little less no, way when you ask when you ask me some of the questions, but yeah. No, I, I think that in many ways there's a confidence in saying I you know, I did what you asked of me, especially in you know, what is considered a fine dining and like a European or or, or classical American type of approach. I, I, yeah. I went to school, I did the hierarchy. But then, you know, even that experience said, I know what I want to do and I don't want you to pigeonhole me. And and to have that confidence that you can say, I can play in your world or I can cook your food if you want, but I'm going to, I'm going to make it my own answers the question that I think we were asking. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the perfect route. Now, some may say, well, this is the pandemic, whether you want it or not, your business as a bespoke chef and traveling has came to a complete halt. Yes, you're you're right about that to some some degree. Mm-hmm. But what 
makes what brings joy out of me is the fact that that isn't anything that is stopping me from my mission as a chef because I am able to um, collaborate with chosen brands to be on their platform and um, share what share everything that I have to offer, not to an exclusive crowd now, but to a larger um, audience, whether that's, you know, Oliver Peoples or, um, a, yeah. you know, champagne company or um, you know, just doing a quick commercial, you know, these are, these are the things that fortunately I've been able to dabble in and still have a voice. I mean, your voice and your perspective and your, your having a message has seemed to be a defining part of, of your career with your, your head up and not just, you know, down grinding it out and things. And yeah, one of the things that I love that you focused on, um, which I'm sure you actually probably saw in your modeling days as well, is uh, mental health. Because yes. I think any sort of professional industry where uh, you can be a model or you can be a chef and sometimes mm-hmm. you are felt that you are just replaceable or you're just under a grind to be this, to fit this form, um, can be heavy. And we've seen yes. a lot of stories coming out in the last few weeks, few months about how toxic uh, restaurants and kitchens really can be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, yeah. No, I think on. this is no, it is not a secret, mm-hmm. but what's even, what, um, what is the whole thing about it is you only get this experience through being in that in this environment, like no one else can feel that pain other than you and your felt your, you know, fellow chefs. And it's something that, yeah, you are literally putting every single thing into this craft, this dish to just, you know, it's a daily grind sometime, you know, 15 hours, 16. Um, And it's one of those things when you come, it's, it's, you're at, I like to say it in a sense is like, you know, every day I, I was getting in the kitchen, I was, you know, going, going to war with my, you know, my chefs, my friends, my brothers, sisters, because we knew it was about to go down for service on that Saturday night, Friday night, but buckle up and we're going to get, get, get that cranking. And so when you get out, when you leave that environment and it's, um, you know, it's accomplishing, but in a sense, you really forget that you're really beating yourself up and um, it's taking everything out of you. And so one of the important things that I've, I also wanted to put out there was, you know, I want chefs to still feel like they will still be highly respected and get that um, same look as far as them saying I'm a private chef and I'm giving them another platform to be considered an amazing chef and other than just pigeon like you know putting themselves just in the kitchen you know like I said it's it's a 
it's a stepping ground being in the kitchen. You need to know your fundamentals. But as far as, you know, a mental state, I want to let my brothers and sisters know that I know exactly what you feel being, getting out of that kitchen at, you know, 1 a.m. I know exactly how you feel getting on your knees, scrubbing all of this still, your stove. I know exactly how you feel to the T. And just check out, check out my world. Let's, you know, ch- I'll bring you in as far as, you know, the clientele that I cooked for. Um, and we could create, we are the, we are the ones that are making, making these, making, creating the culture for the next generation. And so you can be a part of this. And so that is something that I've been working on and I've constantly been telling, you know, guys in the kitchen, whenever they approach me, like, how are you doing this? Or, you know, it's just, you need to, you need to build that confidence within yourself and execute things that, you know, you dream of executing. I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you saying that it's okay to put your own dreams and your own your own words and your own self into food, even if you're cooking for someone else and yeah. to be, you know, I am a person and, and yes, I'm in your kitchen and yes, there is a hierarchy, but I'm still an individual. Exactly. Like you, you still, know, you need to pick yourself up and you need to make that step, make that move or you're never gonna, you know, you're just going to be waiting for example, on that investor that mm-hmm. you're, you know, somehow trying to run into to invest in your restaurant or you know it's all starts with that first step and you starting your own concert yeah now you've also been using your uh social platforms and and your 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 voice to talk about the social revolution that we're going through right now yeah Um, where do you think that food chefs yourself um fits into what's going on with the culture right now uh what is your what is what do you feel is your responsibility here and i know you've talked a little bit about this about uh, you know african-american chefs and what they Mm -hmm. what people might think they have to cook but what you like cooking and what you like showing but i'd love to hear a little bit more about where you think your role is in this I think my role into this is, um, you know, a lot of the times, I think my role into this is going into, going to every, all of my, every, all of my situations, pretty much. I go into it, not caring race, not caring color. And it always feels great, but it always feels great when you see someone that looks like you, um, into a world that you're not familiar with or you're trying to get into. And so I want to continue to, you know, put that weight on my shoulder and other fellows that are within the industry, whether you're, it's Asian, whether it's, you know, Hispanic, what, like whatever you are, you, I want, I think it's our job to continue to um, stand forward and, draw the positive vibes from that to where um, people 
are more comfortable within what they're getting into, um, then we could get on to feeding, feeding the world and introducing the world to our style. But it all starts with humanity and it all starts with equality. And, you know, we, we have a long, long way to go. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. I, I think that sums it up very well that it's, we're, it's a start and there's a long road in front of us. Exactly. Now, now as we look to the future and, and, and your future, um, what do you hope the future holds for you and for, for Rose LLC? And uh, when you finally do get back into cooking and doing a, your pop-ups and things like that, have you thought about the first song that you're going to play when people sit down for dinner and, and the vibe you're going to create when people finally get to come out and eat again in, in, you know, let's say when there's a vaccine and people aren't worried about getting, getting sick and going out to eat. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I don't mean to be like a Debbie downer and all, but music wise, <laughs> it would be, I've been loving the, I've been loving Bob, Bob Dylan blowing in the wind. I've just been listening to that on repeat. That's my that's my vibe right now, and I just love the message behind it. And so it would be that if you want to step it up a bit, I'll um, play some, you know, Bob Marley, Empire of the Sun, to back to the Rolling Stones. So yeah, all over the place. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, when people go out and they they sit down to eat and they hear that first song with the message and you just get into the vibe and the, you know, the, the food's coming and the drinks are pouring and the conversation's exactly. going. Oh man, I miss it. You're well, celebrating. Listen, You're celebrating. It's, it's a celebration. That is, that is the word I was looking for. It's uh, it's just, just to be out with people and, and just getting that hum going in the room, you know, when, when everything was vibrating. Exactly. Uh, listen, Jeff, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to chat with us. If people want to watch your videos or, or follow along with what you're up to or, 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 you know, read more about what you have to say, where can they go? Where can they check you out? You guys can find me on IG at Rose Traore, R-O-Z-E-T-R-A-O-R-E, or, and you could get more info at ChefRose.com. Yeah, it's a great website. I got to say, I, I've, I've looked at a lot of Chef re- websites. Yours is good. Really nice great information really fun a lot of good videos i gotta i gotta say i i actually made that whole website and i'm still surprised to how it's came along so i mean it's 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 great all right so we got we have model chef advocate photographer now actually since the pandemic picked up that designer you really you really (laughs) you're you're playing the pandemic field of like i you just you just get out in touch with me and uh I might be able to get, get something done for you. Exactly. All right. Well, listen, exactly. thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we have another song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on heritageradionetwork.org. Thank you. 
hands I find you got means everything to you. When I hit you on the knuckle, baby, look me in in the eye. Watch you see it right through me too. Tambo solo. So good. He don't cry. You find somebody else that will keep all your actions. You'll do it just if I. I'm gonna destroy this room, right, Andy? Ready? Okay. I'm Brian Kenny, board member at HRN and director of collections and archives for Hearst Western Properties. For 150 years, the Hearst family has raised cattle on 150,000 acres of rich, sustainable grasslands on California's central coast. I recently recorded an episode of HRN on tour with the division manager for Hearst Ranch, Roland Camacho. We talked about the company's longstanding values. You know, and it, what it makes me think of is the thing that we've run into a lot in in this business with Hearst Ranch Beef was the scale of the business and the adjectives that we have. Give me the top adjectives. Well, 100% free range and grass fed. That's probably the the biggest one. Uh, All natural, no antibiotics, no ionophores, no hormones. So those are uh, an American, local. So those are probably the, our biggest ones. You know, all raised, born and raised on one ranch. Everything is free range and grass fed its entire life. Right. And, uh, and, and local uh, California grown, American grown. So those are probably the biggest things that, that set us apart. Hearst Ranch Beef is the nation's largest single source provider of 100% grass fed beef that is always free range and antibiotic free. Our beef will be available in Whole Foods Market's 44 California locations from San Luis Obispo to San Diego throughout the summer beginning June 1st. You can also order our 100% grass-fed beef online as part of a partnership with Larder Meat Company. Visit HearstRanch.com. That's H-E-A-R-S-T Ranch.com. Sean, welcome to Snacky Tunes. So happy that we could finally make this happen. Oh, Darren, thanks, man. Um, you, you know, uh, it brought me so much pleasure to open up the whole show, uh, with machine, which is a, a song from your high school band. Great collector. Man, I can't that, believe you did that. <laughs> I, and, um, that doesn't even go back to how far we've known each other. Cause we've known each other since middle school and we met we through this? every, Yeah. I don't even remember. I feel like you, I've known you so long that I don't even remember the point in like where our 
lives intersected. It's just like it's always kind of been there. It's like I can't even remember far back when I didn't know you. It just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, through I wasn't in band or I, I was in school band, but like I helped on the road. Uh, but you played drums and that's how we met. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had we had a lot of common interests too: theater and art and music. Food, yeah. Um, you know, it was funny because uh, we saw each other last week when I was back in Philly, and one of the one of the things that we talked about that's been going through my mind um, is this idea of both having ideas and keeping them on the inside, and then this idea of like letting them out into the world and the struggle with that. And I thought. You said some really great things about it, and I'd, I'd love to hear some more of your thoughts about the idea of, because for those who don't know you, um, you know, you're the drummer in Pissed Jeans, but you also do a ton of side projects, some of which we'll be digging into today. Um, but you talked about having all these ideas for songs and bands and things like this, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about your creative process. Um, hmm, Okay. Where to start with that? Well, I mean, I was thinking, actually, that's funny. I was thinking about that a little bit today that I was, I haven't, we were just away for a couple of days and I haven't been home and, um, how to get like started on like an idea sometime, like how to, how to get something going. I was just, uh, that's what I was saying to myself. I was like, how do I get something going right now? Um, I don't know, creative process. Sometimes it's just like, it's really just like picking up a, like something and like hitting a drum really. I play, I mean, um, that's like a, how to articulate this? Okay. Um, I think that sometimes, like, I think that I think naturally everybody has, I think there are a lot of, when, when you're doing something creative, I think that there's a lot. I find that I have, the closer sometimes I get to realizing an idea, the far, like the, like the more naturally my, like I'll fight against my, I like self-sabotage myself. I'll fight against myself to, there's some sort of natural inclination to like, the closer you get to the finish line, the like the you're just gonna the, the easier it is for you to quit and just like throw in the towel or whatever. I think that it's important for me to remember to like kind of cross that line. I think that that makes there's a difference in that there there are people that can that get right up against that line and they just they're like nope not for me, which I've definitely have has happened to me too. But there's definitely times when it's like you know I've seen an idea all the way through to the end and it's really satisfying and also. The screwiest thing that I've realized is that you can see an idea all the way through to the end and turn around and start to look at it from like a judgmental or, or objective perspective and realize that it's just crap. <laughs> there's no there's like no value in it at all. And you just spent all this time. Um, that's in, that's like kind of an interest. That's one of the parts of when I try to make stuff, I try to make things in ways that are, I try and I try to be as legal as, as, as um, unjudgmental unjud- about like the quality, or if I even think it's a good tune or track that I'm working on, I try to not do that until the very end. I think that there are like like um, Brian Eno, who's someone I um, is I think has influenced me in a lot of different ways. He's influenced so many people, but he definitely talks very simple. He's like good at articulating. I think some of the simple cognitive things that go down. I think when specifically people are making music and um, one of them is to, like listening from a like a worker's perspective and listening from a listener's perspective, and I think that there's two different ways, especially with music, to do that. Um, and like, kind of part of the creative process is trying to be a listener at the right time and a worker at the right time, and trying to figure out what times those are and like how to 
it's not the easiest thing in the world to like make something or play something and, you know, not instantly think, Oh, this is cool. Or this is not, that's kind of like how, that's how it gets. It's a little bit of like a, I don't know, the paradox story where it's a little bit of a works against itself because what gets you into like being creative, I think is that you have taste in stuff or you decided that you like certain things over, and you dislike other things, and I think that I tried to make things that I like. Like, I just try to make music that I like to listen to. Um, and so when you're trying to make something and not really think about if you like it or not, and just trying to, like, make work on the idea, it kind of can work against itself in weird ways. I don't know. That's maybe the whole – that's what makes the whole thing interesting is that there's, like – there are no rules. You can make up limitations and boundaries and set guidelines for yourself. And like, you know, you don't have to follow them either. What was, yeah. what was the question? <laughs> no, that's it. But you know, it's interesting because you do talk about this thing about working on something and then coming to the end of this career project and being like, well, that wasn't very good. But to be honest, I, I actually have found that getting ideas out or following something through has validity, especially as I get older and I go, oh, you know, I tried doing something that way, or I thought this was the right way to process something or work with someone or do like that. And I did it and it didn't work. And so then when I go into the next project, I go like, well, I have a reference point of what I, what I don't want to do or a mistake that I don't want to make or, or, you know, it's like, oh, I, if I take it something in a different direction in this past project, I could have wound up here. Yeah. I, you know, I think about that too. And it's like, that's can maybe sometimes be, I mean, sure. What is that? Like one angle is you like learn from your mistakes, right? You make a mistake and you say next time I'm not going to do it this way. Or, you know, like I apply that to like, I'm just trying to work on like a little beat or something, you know, try to work it out and lay it down and like kind of like do overdubs or whatever. It doesn't always work out. And sometimes you just kind of have to like, you have to get through to the end to realize it's not working out and to figure out why it's not working out. So you can go back to the beginning and, like fix it you know yeah have you found during this time the last you know three four months with the pandemic and the big social revolution we're going through that your creative process or what you're thinking about creatively has changed i don't know if it's changed it's definitely well i mean yeah i think it's actually yeah it's definitely changed in a lot of ways it's slowed down a lot um there's no there's like less urgency i don't feel i don't feel the similar urgency of um needing to get stuff i have so much there's so much time that there's like i can like i always get to it later that's like one mm. of those that's like a creative resist i think that's like a ploy of creative resistance is like is like well i can always just do the dishes first because you know i have nothing else to do today oh i can always do this something else first i can always you know go for a raw jog or do some push-ups or something um I'll say that like the things that I actually do. Um, but I always, I mean, I've also had time to like, I also think it happens like, you know, there's also something that when, when I don't have like the right amount of limit, if I don't have limitations, here's the way to say this in the arena where like every single thing in the universe is possible. I'm no good. I need to have some sort of limitation. I need to have some sort of like time mm. frame. I need to have like, you know, even if it's like, I need to have like a certain amount of like, you know, just as a reference, it's like having like a certain amount of tape. You need to have like, one of the funny things about like working digitally too is like, there's, there's no like time limit. There's no like, 
Yeah. On some of the earliest recordings we made when I was part of, like a lot of it had to do with like you were done when it was done, but also like you only had so much tape. Like there was a physical limitation of how much information you could capture at mm. a certain time. And like you had to actually pay for that stuff. Now with like one of the pitfalls of like digital technologies, like there is no tape. You could just always go back and add something. So knowing when to like stop even and like knowing when to like stop picking at something or like call it considering it done is something that I've tried to work on recently. And that's, I've lost this, like some of the, I had, I had the ability maybe like a year ago. I was really good at knowing when just to like stop working on something or call <laughs> something done or, and now that it's like, it. I, yeah, you know, and now it's like, you just pick it to death and yeah. I find myself like stalling or, um, not feeling right about like a certain take or something. And I'm, it's, uh, I just like, you know, chew on it endlessly. Like, you know, just yeah. chew, uh, you can't like, you're not supposed to chew all the way to the, to disintegrate to your food. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're just like, you don't endlessly be chewing. At some point you have to like swallow and be fulfilled. And so like, yeah. you know, when, when, yeah. It, when it goes from something tasty to just cud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's like, I mean, I guess that's, that's like definitely become a factor. Um, I think like, I mean, definitely gotten the family's definitely been more involved in the creative process now too. There's like everybody's around, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you we did a song. Like, you did a song yeah. with your son, right? With him on vocals. Yeah, yeah, we did a couple. He's done. He's definitely been like into like vocals and like putting delay on vocals and sort of weird effects and stuff. And um, it's great. It's, if that's what's getting him interested, then uh, it's been really fun to uh, have a lot of time to do that with him. That's been like. Cool. Awesome. Um, uh, well, yeah. listen. I want to play. I want to play the first track. Uh, okay. Hash, hash fail. What's the What's the story behind that? Uh, that's. Uh, I was trying to do. It was. A, I was trying to emulate another kind of uh, thing that I heard. It was like this weird drum. Say, it was like I was trying to emulate a drum sound that I had heard recently on a recording, um, and I failed <laughs> at it and <laughs> didn't. And didn't didn't get what I was looking for and then like went back a couple of like last month to it and just like started picking apart at it and like adding other weird stuff to it. And, uh, it sort of came together. It's still kind of coming together. Actually. I think that, you know, maybe I might add something else to like, there's, it's still, you know, it's, it evolves. So, uh, I dig where it's at now though. I'm really liking where it's, I'm really liking where it's, where it's, where it's, where it's the point where it got to though. Awesome. Well, here we go. Sean McGinnis, a.k.a. Sean on the drums here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We're with one of, of my oldest friends, Sean McGinnis, a.k.a. Sean of the Drums, um, a.k.a. the drummer of Piss Jeans. And, you know, it's a... Uh, it's pretty amazing to see you in Piss Jeans, not just because I love the band and I've seen you play so many times, but in us growing up, there's always been these uh, North Stars of types of bands who are just like, whoa, those guys, they're like cool forever. They get critically acclaimed, but like they have a dedicated fan base and and that's 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 the jeans. Um <laughs> Which, yeah. which, you know, which is super cool to be in a band like that, you know, and you're on sub pop, which is like that the end, that's it. Right. Um, that's, but, that's, that's a really nice thing to say. Thank you. Um, but you were telling me about, and I'm going to, I might butcher this, but you were telling me about when you put out the last album um, that uh, you said like one of the best, best lines you saw was from a fan on a message board that was like, wow, like, a, another great album like these guys keep doing it yeah which it was, to, that was something like that yeah yeah go on sorry no 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 no. Uh, uh which i loved because like that really is what careers or the ability to to keep being creative is these days right there is no like silver bullet there is no album that sells millions at least you know there's maybe you know unless you're like beyonce or something like that or at like at the rarefied level of of that um but to keep 15 years being in a band having people love you you know that's that's an amazing thing and uh even though i shared my thoughts on it um you know what is like to be a part of of a, a you know an art project that that gets to continually put out um creative materials you know for so long i mean well it geez um oh that's like those are really nice things to say about us and i think that thank you for saying those things um <laughs> uh what's it like i mean i pre I, f I feel really for i feel really lucky like pretty fortunate i think that like i think a lot of things i think that like i feel very fortunate to be able to have uh like uh, something like that for as like an outlet you know to have yeah. have like have a valve like to 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 have a, a place to like funnel creative energy and just like and not even creative, just like energy from my life into something to have that, I think is really lucky and really special and really rare. I, you know, I think for the, especially for the amount of time doing it has been, I mean, we all still get along fortunately. And, um, I really enjoy playing music with, uh, those guys. I think that yeah. I've definitely, you know, it's fine. I've, I've, there, I've played music in other situations where it just hasn't felt right. It hasn't felt you don't have the same sort of connection or like you just, people are thinking different where it's like, it's just not as naturally fluid or, you know, you have to do an extra, you have to work really hard to like get something done. And, you know, it doesn't with, to, to find a, a situation like, um, piss, the like piss jeans to have that sort of like, I don't know what to call it like that, whatever the relationship we have or the, the communication we have and like the trust that we have and, the fact that we have been able to like continue to create things that we're all like really in agreement that we like, you know, I like, we're all feel really, I mean, there's always a couple of songs that like we, you know, that um, not everybody's going to be on, like you can't love every sure. little thing, but, this, but man, like just the, like how 
consistently we are all on the same page together is like where I there's no chance I you only like if you get one of those in your life it's like you're lucky I feel like yeah. you know yeah. and I feel like I got like we all found that I think that that's really uh, I think it's really important to me and I think that like it's you know I think that these other guys would say the same I think you know and it's it's like fun to boot and that's not to say that like we're always like it's like in a mat like you know where it's like we definitely have like conflict and um and like discussion but that's like also part of what makes it interesting and like we can resolve yeah. stuff too yeah it's it's been it's incredible you know to have creative partners that you have evolved with and trust for 15 years, the results have got to be pretty amazing. I mean, I think the music speaks for itself. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I don't know if that will translate on this. I mean, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I mean, it's like how lucky I feel like even that I've actually had, it's not like even the first time, I mean, that the, I love like the genes are great and I've had, they've actually been like maybe, two other situations in my life or three other situations where I felt, you know, a similar sense of like, uh, like understanding and communication through people like playing music with them. It's like pretty, mm. when you can heart, when you can get to that point or get to like, I, you know, the piss, piss with the jeans, we just like, you know, there's just no plans to stop, you know, no one like, yeah, it's pretty, it's, I think that we have actually is, I think it's kind of unique. We are like, we have, we're on a great, we're not like, I mean, what Beyonce does is like, that's an incredible amount of work. And I mean, I think you mentioned earlier and like, that's like a respectable in its yeah. own right. It's nothing like that. We, I think that's like her art is like on it's on a very different is a very, is like, it's a very different thing, but I, you know, it both takes work, I guess. We're lucky to have such a, like a understanding record label. That's, wants to like i mean basically has put zero pressure on us at all to do anything and has always just been there for us too whenever we're ready they're just always there to have that like patron mentality mm -hmm. of saying when the jeans are ready to put out an album we're here to support uh, both the creative process, the recording process, because I know that that's also evolved. And I know that you've asked for more over the years and they've given it to you in many ways. And that that trust between like a label and an artist is also pretty rare, especially mm. one as, you know, legendary as Sub Pop. Who can have mm. their pick of, uh, not saying anyone, but, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not hunting for artists in some ways. I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. I think they... Yeah, I, it's still, it's, we've, I mean, we've been on that, I think we've been, 2006 was the first time we put out a record on that label, and I think that, um, I still can't believe that they're still down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and we've yeah. met so many, like, amazing people through that record label, and, like, so many supportive people, they're just, like, it's just, like, endless, like, support, and just, like, so many, like, incredible people friendships of you know it sounds so gooey but it's the truth it's like those are really the things like when i'm thinking about all the stuff we're doing like that's kind of that's one of the more important things i think just in my life is just like the, that's how i like connect with people through like playing music and like you know working in restaurants it's like how i want to like i want to 
the same to me they're interchangeable it's like about connecting with people and like you know mm-hmm. i don't know help i don't want to say helping people but you do you, know, do you know you know what i'm saying i mean i uh you know i don't have to tell you the way i feel about connecting with people through food and music and yeah. um you know with uh with the book that we now have coming out so many things that i was like am i the only one to feel this way or i know a few people feel this way but to see people all over the world feel the same way from childhood through their professional career um that these two artistic disciplines are just a way to have relationships with people um either as you know as you said before as like a, a maker or or a taker in some ways um it's just really amazing man you know congratulations congratulations on the book by the way i saw some internet pictures of it, it looks incredible man i can't wait to i can't wait to check it out it looks so good it looks so yeah, man. good so pro uh, okay. so pro man oh my gosh so yeah I, look, I, I would say the same way that you feel about uh sub pop is the same way i, f- I feel about fade in being like oh. really yeah. Like okay, cool, 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 cool. Thank you so Incredible. much. Yeah, it feels um, nice. Like it's like validation in a way, and yeah, or that at least like you know somebody else at least shares the same kind of value for ideas that I do. That's like really, that's yeah. really that's man. That's like the most comforting thing on earth. I know. Um, all right, let's get to the next song. Uh, we got chant right. one. Oh yeah, let's yeah. Speak. Okay, cool. What's yeah, chant so, about? Yeah, okay, here we go. This one I can talk about. This one I made myself a specific note because the, the, the um, uh, I was having trouble getting stuff done. I said like, uh, start with vocals, <laughs> which is something that I never do. I was like, I hate to do vocals. Uh, I dislike the sound of my own voice. I don't really know how to use it. As I've never, I've never figured out how to use it as like, you know, like an in, like kind of more of an instrument or sort of in a way that it like benefits the music or I never really maybe thought about it in that way, but I was like, oh, I'm just gonna to it. It was like, it's just a, a way to annoy myself to, to start with vocals. So I did. And that's, um, and then I had, and then I made a drum and then I like had this weird vocal line that, um, somehow was in, so I don't know how it came about. I, and then I had like, I just made a drum loop that sort of fell right into, um, time with it. And I just, then, um, one of the, I made I made it was like very very it was like in March I made the, I finished this one in like March and maybe it needs something else too it might need a, it might need a guitar or something I don't know maybe I'll send it to somebody to put a guitar on it or something um, I'm pretty I'm digging it it's pretty it's like kind of dark okay cool all right well here we go we got Chant One Sean McGinnis AKA Sean on the drums here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Welcome back. That was chant one. A little dark, but uh, we're in some dark times right now. But, you know, appropriate, appropriate, appropriate. Um, So, you know, we talked a little bit about your creative process. We talked about you being in the genes. But I want to focus a little bit on your, your, your solo projects and the importance of having a solo outlet as an artist, especially when you're in this long running projects uh, of, of piss jeans. Why has it been so important for you to have your own thing, your own little side projects? Cause for many people it would just be like, I'm in a band. They're super popular. That's, the, that is all I need for my creative output. Uh, um, I mean, I don't know. Is, uh, what? Okay. Hmm. How do I, I think it's. I feel really lucky to, I guess, to have um, like an out, an out, a little bit of an, an outlet. I have. I mean, I have a little space in the house we live in in our basement. It's not by any means like a soundproof booth thing. It's quiet, but it's still in the house. It's still pretty loud, and I have to, you know, I'm grateful for the my family that lives here to allow that to happen. Um, I think like, I mean, the jeans aren't. We're always the the jeans always are like in existence. We're not always like we're not always playing um, every day, all day. I wish sometimes I wish we had you know you get, get go to the practice at nine a.m. and you leave at five p.m. Like that sounds like kind of interesting. Also, maybe a way to burn everybody out real fast. But we're not like although it's always existing, we're not constantly we're not constantly playing. Right now, we're like working out ideas, and it's been interesting to do that remotely. And like just discussing things weekly and passing, you know, files back and forth. I think that for me, having a cre like a sort of solo out just to see, like, you know, I wanted to first see if I could just start making recordings at my house. This is maybe five, maybe seven or eight years ago now. Um, just trying to figure out how to learn how to like record stuff, and that's sort of you know. Um, you have to create something to record. So I started making weird, just tons of weird junk. So much, so much, so much junk and just utter crap. And then kind of through the process of like figuring out how to like record or like capture sounds or start to make like weird sounds and sort of edit tracks and loop stuff. It, you just start to, I just kind of started to figure out uh, only recently, actually, I've only kind of figured out what. <laughs> Um, like this, like recently in the last couple of months, uh, everything that I've sort of arrived at, I'm really li- like, I like it. It's not, it's like, it's very rare that I'm so I'm surprised at how like pleased with myself. <laughs> 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 so it's like a ra- I mean, it's a rare, like, I'm not always that I'm like, rarely am I that happy with stuff. And it's like been, it, it felt like a very much like, um, it's felt like a really, uh oh god it sounds so pretentious but it has been like exploratory like really figuring out like kind of like getting to know my instrument and like other instruments in like uh just like you know learning more about them and how to play them and like how to put things together and it it's just a really man i it's the, the being it's like nice to, i think it's important that people should be passionate about something um, and yeah. I think that I feel really lucky that I have this to, like, I feel very passionate about it. It's very satisfying for me. If like other people like it, that's great. I'm like, it makes me happy, but it's really like, I kind of just want to make stuff that I want to listen to or play for my friends or share with my friends. 
um, ask them about it and talk about it. It's like, I don't know, it really is, um, there's nothing quite like it. Uh, I'm grateful to have it. So like, it's not, I don't I think it would be unfair to ask all of that of the genes too, to ask that much of everybody in the band. Like we've been going at the same pace we've been going now for a while. And I think we all sort of have, we all have, we have expectations of each other. And I think we sort of, everybody's sort of laid out where their expectations for everything are and we're all in agreement in it. So like, you know, it's pretty, which is like, that's like a really just nice to have it operate. And I can like clearly go, you know, I can find other places to make stuff on my own or work with other people. They're like, you know, uh, my friend Mike, who lives in DC, um, Washington, DC. I've known him for uh, Mike. a long, long time. Mike Patillo. Um, um, he and I have been making music together. We started making music together when I was 17. And we recently, in the last like three or four years, have started another project together that is totally different and like really just kind of make it up as you go. And uh, uh, really been like an incredibly like, I don't know, just a really, he's an amazing person to like be in a studio with. Um, and be like in a, like be creative, like a great, I really love being creative with him. Um, cause he's such a really insanely creative and smart dude. Um, and we made music together recently that I really, like, I also, I'm like, I really like, I'm really, I like this. I would list stuff that I'm like, I listen to it. I do. I have a tape in my car. And I listen to when I drive around. I'm like, this is great. This you know, great. I made I made this. It's like it's like you cook yourself. You eat it. You make it the same. You make a really good sandwich because you want to eat it. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna just make this track because I want to listen to it. You know, um, yeah, and I love that. Yeah, it's like that's like, I mean, that's kind of where that I, I love that. I feel I feel good shooting like that's like you know having aiming for that is like that's what made I feel good about that. And I can like. I can in that environment. I can like comfortably create inside that environment, like knowing that that's the goal. And I think that that's like not an unrealistic expectation of myself. Amazing. Well, listen, I want to make sure that we have enough time for one more song. We got number thirteen, Vox. But if people want to check out what you're up to or keep an eye out for what's going on with the jeans, where can they go to uh, to follow along? Google Piss Jeans. Um. And you know, the jeans are all on. I think all the jeans and stuff is on Bandcamp. There's a Sean mm-hmm. on the Drums Bandcamp. There's an On the Ifness Bandcamp uh, through Udios. Oh, yeah. The On the Ifness. Um, that's with Mike Patillo. And there's probably a Street Stains Bandcamp too. We still that Street Stains record is still there. That's myself and my friend Chris Richards. Uh, one he's like a great guitar player and a great singer. And a fantastic music critic and kick ass dad. See how, see what I did there? Yeah. Um, threw my buddy a compliment. Um, and yeah, uh, you can email me. You know, I'm around. He's around. I'm around. Awesome. Well, Sean, thank you so much for taking time out to chat with uh, us. All I have is time, my friend. I love talking to you. It was great seeing you the other week. It's great having this on yeah, the record. I yeah. appreciate it. Uh, thank you to everyone. Thank you to Rose for being a part of the show. 
if you if you do have a chance and you got like 25 extra bucks go pick up uh the snacky tunes book you can get it on faden.com pre-order right now yeah it's oh, so weird dude, congrats sign me up Thanks, where do man. i pre-order where do i pre-order again faden.com baby search faden.com. all right that's that's snack with a y for, for those those who haven't been listening for the last 11 years. Um, all right, here we go. <laughs> Number 13, Vox. Thanks for everyone. Crazy that this is episode 450. Holy uh, Yeah, we'll see, we'll see you next time as we march on to 500. 420. No, this is episode 450. It's Look, it's 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 the same thing like with, with Piss Jeans. No one's told us to stop, so we're not stopping. Keep going. Keep, keep going. going. Even, you know what, man? If someone did stay stop, that's no reason to stop. Just no, keep going I, anyway. Just keep going anyway. Um, yeah. All right. Here you, here we go. Sean McGinnis, a.k.a. Sean on the Drums, number 13 Vox. Thanks for everyone. Thanks for all the support. And we'll see you next week here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.